I'm Michael Dunn, and you're listening to Oregon Rainmakers from KLCC Studios. My guest today is Michael Wargo, the Executive Director of Willamalane Park and Recreation District. Willamalane operates as a special tax district and manages more than 1,000 acres of parks, miles and miles of trails, and other recreational facilities. We're going to talk about managing Willamalane today and also what the future may hold for the organization. Michael Wargo, welcome. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. Yeah, yeah. We really appreciate you coming in. So maybe just start from the very top. For for people who don't necessarily know, what is the Willamalane Park and Recreation District? Well, the Willamalane Park and Recreation District is a special tax district, which means we're not part of the city. We're not part of the county. We're our own separate government agency with our own set of boundaries. And uh, I'm really happy to say that, you know, we were the first special park and recreation district in the state of Oregon. So way back when in 1944, someone had some, uh, actually, I know who it was, not someone, Judge Ford had this amazing vision to say, um, we need to keep the people, especially the children of Springfield, um, engaged and active, keep them out of trouble. So way back when in 1944, they created a special tax district and they named it Willamalane. And what that means is, you know, we have our own separate tax base. So property owners throughout our boundaries of funds, you know, all the wonderful things that we have to offer. And that's an awful lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting because you hit so many important sort of aspects of community living, your, your parks, your trails, but also talk about some of the other like physical facilities that you've built and what, what, what that encompasses. Yeah, it's really an amazing array. We have um, over four, we have 46 parks uh, throughout Springfield. We have four facilities, two of which are aquatic facilities. One is one of the first indoor wave parks west of the Mississippi um, that splash that is, you know, just multi-generations have gone there and just have enjoyed it. We have our own uh, the Willamalane Swim Center which is a, a lap swimming pool and a, a, some other opportunities for uh, just some fitness and some spas and things like that. But really, like one of the crown jewels that we have from a facility standpoint is the Bob Kiefer Center there on 32nd Street, uh, about 100,000 square, 100, square foot of indoor recreational space. Um, you name an activity, uh, we've probably hosted it from pickleball, basketball, volleyball, a 30-foot uh, high rock climbing wall. Um, we have um, a special surface on half of the courts where people can roller skate. It's really, really super durable. And then talk about special events. We've hosted anything from antique car shows to cider and craft brew fest to some pretty elegant um, special events as well, sit-down dinners and fundraisers. So, um, again, it's, I love the diversity that we offer and you never know what you're going to see in the hallways or in some of our recreational spaces. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. You, you and I have talked several times and, and certainly your background is in sports of, of one degree or another. And, and, and so take us back to how you began your career and, and sort of how it's come full circle to managing something that is about sports, but so much more. Yeah. Um, well, way back when, so, so, you know, I can think back as a, as a, as a young boy, I I'm from the East coast originally grew up, actually was born in Delaware, okay. uh, go blue hens. Um, <laughs> 
And um, it just, I always loved parks and athletics and just recreation and, you know, played a number of different sports in high school and college. But really, um, I wanted to make a career out of that. And obviously, it, it became abundantly clear very early that I wasn't going to be playing any type of professional sport whatsoever. Um, but I had, originally, I gravitated towards uh, college athletics. So um, a university in New Jersey named Ryder University, right out of grad school, I was very fortunate to get an assistant athletic director job there and, uh, you know, uh, really enjoyed it. Sports marketing, um, uh, sports management, you know, just doing a lot of things, fundraising and uh, was fortunate enough to do that for almost 10 years. And then just through life changes and some other things and trying and just wanting to try other things, I was in... um, you know, uh, the fitness industry, uh, I moved to Philadelphia. I ran some Philadelphia sports clubs there and, um, about in, I guess the year, uh, 2000 or somewhere around in there. Um, I got an opportunity to work for a countywide park system, Mercer County Park Commission in New Jersey, and be the deputy director there. And that was a huge system for golf courses. It served over 650,000 people, And uh, I have to tell you, once I got a little taste of parks and recreation and the ability to serve the entire community, that really spoke to me. It really lined up with my values. And um, I've been fortunate enough from that point in New Jersey. I actually I did work down in Louisiana where I was an executive director down there on the North Shore, about 26 miles north of um, uh, New Orleans. And um eventually found myself out to where I am now. And I think it is, you know, I, I really haven't looked back. I love the Pacific Northwest. I've been here for almost seven years now. And uh, I'm very fortunate to call myself the executive director at Willamette Park and Recreation District. When you were in New Orleans, was that also kind of like a special tax district? Yeah. So I was very, very, so I've had a taste of, of both, both sides, right? So when I was in New Jersey, at the county, you know, we were just a department. So we were going with public works and fire and police. And, you know, a lot of times it's really hard to, how do you justify um, asking for more money for potentially for a playground when, uh, you know, they may need a new police squad squadron car or something like that. So um, uh, that was very different and really kind of opened up my eyes a lot. And that actually made me gravitate towards this special district. So it was the Coquille Park and Rec District. It has nothing to do with the Coquille that I know is in um in Oregon. Sure. But that was a special tax district as well. And that really was like, well, I think moving forward, I really like having that autonomy of being your own funding source. And there's a lot of less uh bureaucracy, I'll say that. Well and and that must uh, I can't even stress how much that must be a benefit because as you just laid out really well, it's cities counties whatever there 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 must be a constant you know tug and pull for funding resources this seems like a great uh middle ground if you will to kind of make it all happen yeah absolutely and uh, and uh, as i said and there's a lot less steps um because you aren't vying for other tax dollars instead of getting a piece of the pie. Now we get the whole pie itself. And then it's up to me and my board of directors and our budget committee and my management team members to divvy up where we feel and what the public feels uh, they want their resources paid for. Um, And I also just want to point out too, is that even though we are, we are funded through the tax base, that doesn't mean that um, our complete budget is covered. So 
on a typical year, we have a $16 million need for budget. We'll collect about, say, $12 million in tax revenue through our rates, our fees, our rentals, those other um, things that we actually charge for. That closes that gap and, and makes us whole. Um, so the more programs we have, the more people we can employ, I mean, that's always a good thing, right? So um, we are uh, absolutely tied into alternative ways to close that funding gap. And that could be through grants, um, you know, relationships with other public agencies, uh, fundraising, sponsorships, partnerships, uh, you know, public-private partnerships, you know, those things that we're, we're always seeking and, and I've, we've had a, a really good track record. Sure, sure. Um, getting from New Orleans to here, was it the job that you came out here for or were you trying to get to Oregon? How did, how did you get physically here? Yeah, it's uh well, uh, via car. No, um, <laughs> nicely done. <laughs> um, yeah, when I had moved from and talk about like a very different, you know, part of the country moving from the metropolitan area of New Jersey and Philadelphia and New York, all three places where I, I, I worked at one time or another, um, it was just a very different uh, place, you know, obviously uh, a great place, Louisiana. I still call a lot of people friends, but um, there was a little bit of a culture shock that um, didn't really exactly line up with where I wanted to be professionally and, and personally. So when I started looking at other places, what I knew was I love parks and recreation. I love special districts. Um, my wife, who was originally from Colorado, she probably wouldn't admit this, but I think there's always this West. Hey, let's, let's keep heading out West. Um, so we just started looking and we just pulled out a map and I was like, you know, cause I was there for about two years. It was like, where, where could we go? And thankfully she, uh, she started the whole work from home thing before it became, you know, like a bigger thing thanks to COVID. So she could work anywhere that they have internet, which is basically anywhere. And, um, Oregon was, was on the list and there was this listing for this, uh, position, um, at this place I couldn't pronounce Willa Malane. I, you know, <laughs> I kept calling the, uh, the weather hotline to see how you pronounce Willa Malane and, uh, was fortunate enough to, I applied and, and got that position. And again, um, have not looked back and have been fortunate to, to, I've had three positions at Willa Malane in the seven years that I've been there and, uh, really, really just, uh, honored and humbled to be the executive director. It certainly means a lot to me. Indeed, indeed. Well, we're going to take our first break. We're, we're talking with Michael Wargo, the executive director of Willamette Lane, and we'll be back in just a second. I'm Barbara Dellenbach, host of KLCC's Oregon Grapevine. John Fronmeyer is the former chair of the National Endowment for the Arts. He's a retired attorney, author, and ethicist. The key to ethical action is the ability to act in the face of uncertainty. Because if everything is already certain, you know, there probably aren't a lot of ethical decisions to be made. John Fronmeyer expounds on the place of arts in our culture, competitive sports and fitness, and communicating over differing opinions. On the newest Oregon Grapevine at klcc.org. And we're back speaking with Michael Wargo, the executive director of Willamette Lane. You know, it's interesting. One thing about your background and being so immersed in sports, and, and, and I've talked to other leaders about this, is in sports, you obviously learn teamwork very, very quickly and how important it is. Were you able to kind of take that being immersed in sports and then in sports management and whatnot, building teams, and I imagine for what you do is probably if not the most critical, one of the most critical things that you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I uh, all the accolades, all the things that Willamaline or Ryder when I was there, 
it, it's never ever one person, right? It's always like that team. And I couldn't be any more proud of the management team and really the whole staff that we have at Willamalee. And I played team sports throughout my athletic career, even though I, I think of myself as a golfer here and there, but really for recreational. But, you know, that's what I think calls me to this industry is that, you know, we're, it's a group of people that's serving a larger group of people. I have around 70,000 bosses, and those are the residents of Springfield. One person can't do that, and I have weak points, and you surround yourself with strong people that fill in all the gaps, and uh, I really think of us as a, as a unsinkable machine and uh, just really, you know, love how, you know, we, we're constantly evolving. We have ideas we share, and really what I try to um, instill and, and even um, – uh, encourage staff is, you know, let's have conversations. They're not always positive. I don't want to surround myself with a bunch of people that are always, yes, yes, that's a great idea. What a, wow, I, I can't believe you thought. But like, you know, call me on things. Like maybe, yeah, we could do it that way, Michael, but maybe we could try that way. And it's just has worked as well at Willamalane as any other place that I've worked in my 25 plus years. Is it fair to kind of think about your organization as almost like a city within a city? And, 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 and the reason I ask that question is, is because your workforce is really diverse. I mean, you have people who are, you know, out there in the field, but you also have administrators. I mean, it must be in terms of not only just leadership, but just the, the kind of the, the, the function of human resources. That must be quite a, a, a challenge. No, that's a great analogy. We, we are a microcosm of a small city in of itself. And, um, you know, whether it's human resources, we have risk management, we have a whole planning division, we have, you know, you think about all the acres of space, you know, all the miles of trails that we have, you know, we have to have people to maintain that, but you also have, have to have someone that's thinking about um, deferred maintenance and when should we rotate things around. Um, all the programmers, we have a preschool, um, there's so many different things that, that we have. Think about our finance department, you know, they, it's payroll. People have to get paid. So um, that's the one thing I love about what I do is it is so diverse. And you have, I have no idea. Every day is a snowflake. I have no idea what's going to happen. You try to get, set yourself up for those large goals that you want to accomplish. But at the end of the day, you know, I try to make myself as available to whatever might pop up in, at any given time. Sure. And maybe to continue the analogy, if, if you're like the city manager in this city within a city, you obviously have, have a, a publicly elected bosses. Maybe talk a little bit about how, how you work in that, because that can be a great thing, but it could also be a challenging thing as well. No, oh, absolutely. So um, I do have, I have five bosses and it's five elected officials that we have that uh, are all residents of Springfield. And um you know, and we just have, so we have monthly public meetings that I encourage anyone that you would like to, you can attend in person. They're the second Wednesday of every month. You can also attend virtually by visiting willamaline.org. Um, and uh, it's just been, and again, I've worked for uh, college boards. I've worked for other boards, you know, across the country. And I'm not just saying this because I think that, you know, they're listeners of the podcast here, <laughs> but, um, but there's really no politics. It's really about people are in it because of their love for parks and recreation and how they can serve the Springfield community. And once you get that type of synergy, it makes it really, really easy. If, if, if there's an idea that makes sense and it's going to better what we do in our service levels, 
my board is is behind me 100%. When issues come up and there's challenges that the public may bring up to us and say, hey, we don't have equestrian trails or we don't have something, how do we get that? Then I take great pride in taking that challenge back to my staff and let's find a way to make it happen if we can make it happen. Um, so we have a really good, again, track record with that. But uh, my five elected officials, they, they're really so supportive and they're in it really for the right reasons. And I can imagine so, because I guess you could say who would want to do that job if, it, if they didn't have the calling that you talked about, that they didn't believe in it. And that must be very nice, as you just described. There are a lot of organizations, private companies where, you know, there could be a lot of politics, like right. you said. But if everybody is is so immersed in the mission, it's got to be a real beneficial place to work. Absolutely. Because they're unpaid positions Mm -hmm. and you think about, you know, this political climate, who would want to kind of dip their toe in it? Well, they dip their toe in it because they know. And, and historically the Willamaline board is always about our mission for first and foremost, and that's to provide exceptional parks and recreation to enrich the lives of everyone that, that we serve. And that's truly why what those five individuals are. And I can't thank thank them enough. I mean, Chris Wig is currently our president and Renee Jones is our vice president. And, um, you know, I meet with them on a very regular basis and we have some really solid conversations. And it's and it's always about what can we do better and how can we serve the community at a higher level? Sure. I imagine difficult conversations would have been about two years ago. When COVID first hit and, and I, I look at your organization, I think, oh my goodness. Well, some of what you do was incredibly valuable to keep open the parks and the trails. But then of course you also have buildings and, and, and all that comes with that. Take us through that. Probably the challenge of your lifetime. Yeah, even though I don't like to, Michael, because it was it was like the best of times and the worst of times. And really like the worst of times is how it all started. I sure. mean, I have uh, just this one memory that really resonates is it was like a random Tuesday. I, I work at the Bob Kiefer Center, which has a large parking lot. Middle of the day, that parking lot is just full of cars, activities, our preschools on the side. The kids are usually outside playing. And it was empty. It was like me and maybe a couple of my staff cars. And it, it really made me emotional because that's when it really set in that, that this is something very, very different. But w- what are all the people doing? They, they need us more than they ever have. So, yes, we had to make some – I had to make some really tough decisions, furlough and lay some people off from our facilities. But one thing that I'm super proud of is – those 46 parks that I mentioned, those 15 miles of trails that we have, they stayed open. And we were able to employ enough people to keep those parks open. And we were even talking about this really recently with staff is we had no idea the impact that outdoor space can act as a sanctuary for mental health and wellness. And as we're coming and some of the, the, the comments that I would hear from our community members is I get to go up in Thurston Hills or on the mill race or go to Doris Ranch and just get away from all this with no TV, no anything. It was just such a sanctuary for people, too. And uh, that really resonated with me. And and then as we started coming out of it a little bit, we were able to develop some programs that we still are doing today because it was so beneficial and it actually improved us as a park district because now we have more of an outreach because of what we were forced to do because of COVID. But it was like a plan of how we can actually reach more people during any any times. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I think that, uh, you know, when people think of governmental services, there's there's buckets of have to have and then nice to have. And I think you operate in both places because obviously – 
yeah, maybe you're not the fire department, but Parks and Rec, and I think that COVID probably uh, helped underscore this, that's not nothing. That's really important. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, and I, I didn't have to remind myself because they all saw it. Was, they were very emotional times. But, you know, there was a lot going on at those periods too, right? We had the wildfires and the smoke and air quality and all those things. So as we mentioned, you know, we talked earlier that we, even though we're not part of the city, you know, one of the greatest partnerships that Willamaline has is what we call Team Springfield. So that's Willamaline. It's the city of Springfield, it's the school district, and it's the Springfield Utility Board. So at that time, maybe we would get together once every three months. We started meeting via Teams, like online, once a week to share resources. And none of us had answers like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do about this mask mandate? Or how can we support this? What uh, Firefighters need spaces to shower and things. And we just started meeting collectively as as a group and we still i had a, a meeting earlier today we still meet for a half hour to 60 minutes every single week and another great thing that came out of it is this relationship of serving one another because guess what we all serve the same population and i really feel like we're doing some great things for for our community as a result of that i can imagine it's a great feeling i can i can't well let's take our next break we're talking with michael wargo the executive director of willam lane we'll be back in just a second well, as the years go by, you realize that the things that you use every day are not there by magic. They are there because somebody else took the time to build them, to maintain them. So if you're thinking about what to do with a vehicle you no longer need, when you donate it, it's going to be part of something even bigger than yourself. Get all the details at our website, klcc.org. And we are back talking with Michael Wargo from Willamette Lane. So um, I want to talk about your comprehensive plan and where, what, what the process is, because obviously, you know, what, what in, in learning a little bit about it, it's, it's such a and, and you've mentioned the word a bunch of times in this interview, public, public, public. And, and certainly this is a very public process. Talk about what it is and what it's going to do. Yeah, it's really an exciting process. And um, it's not that I needed it, but it is even it's like Uber energized me and my staff. So um, about 18 months ago, um, when uh, after we kind of were getting through COVID and everything else, um, there was a lot of things that I knew that Willamaline needed to do internally to become even better than what it was before. And that has to do with our policies and procedures and a lot of those things. So um, what I uh, wanted to do was Geez, if there was like some blueprint for success, what what could that be? So we're all like most park and rec agencies are part of the National Recreation and Park Association. They have an accreditation process called CAPRA. And if you go through this process, um, basically they're saying that you're using best practices. You've got a staff that's professionally trained and you're constantly looking at your um, policies, procedures, but also your strategic plans. So I'm very happy to say it was 18 months of hard work. We did over 950 tasks, and we are only one of around 200 agencies in the whole country that have this CAPRA accreditation. So we're in a one percentile 
So, and which I'm really, really excited and proud of. But part of that was a comprehensive plan needs to be updated. So back in 2012, we had a comprehensive plan. It was adopted. And you're supposed to look at these at like every 10 years. So because of the CAPRA accreditation process, that really forced us to say, you know what? We've got to make sure we do this and do it in a big way. So as a result of that, we hired a consulting firm named Barry Dunn. And um, it's, again, this is another 18-month process that did uh, overlap with that CAPRA process. We're about halfway through. And basically what it is is we have, we have sent out surveys um, through the mail, on the Internet, at all special events. We've gathered um, almost 4,500 bits of information from our community of what they want, what's going to be next in, in, in for, their, for their park district. Additionally... We've had outsiders visit all of our parks, take a catalog of all of our amenities, what's good, what's bad, where are some challenges, what can we do better, and even look at Springfield as a whole, and what are the pockets, you know, is this park truly accessible to as many people as possible, and um, it has just been an unbelievable uh, process to go through. Again, it's kind of like as the executive director, I feel like I'm getting the answers to the test, because we don't tell the people what they want. They tell us what they want and what they need from their park district. And we have all of this information, um, you know, and we've, we've done um, not just surveys, but we'll have community outreach, community events. Um, we have town halls where we collect information. We present the findings up to this point, get additional feedback. And even that feedback then even involves for that final um, part of this, which in about um, eight months from now, so we're talking about uh, – you know, late, uh, early fall of next year, we'll have a comprehensive update to our plan and that'll set what's next for Willamaline. What's our vision, funding sources, those types of things. Do you get a lot of feedback from the public and, 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 and without having to, you know, pin you down to specifics, but are there, are there categories of things that the, the public tells you we would like X, Y, and Z? Right. And, and as I mentioned before, we don't, you know, we're not a big company that is going to tell you what you need. You know, you need this, the latest phone, you need all this, but, you know, we're Parks and Rec. However, what it does is also validate what some of our feelings are because we live Parks and Rec. We see it, you know, we go to other uh, park agencies, you know, we're always comparing notes. So it's no surprise that some of the early returns are, you know, what people like trails right <laughs> they love to be out in the great outdoors aquatics uh has has really um uh, been identified as a, an area that that people love and um as well as public safety park safety which is a big thing for me it's a big thing for my board i, I love the feeling that people get when they come into our parks and on our trails and there's a whole other litany of items that you know we'll consi- we'll we'll take a look at and then make decisions moving forward on what we're able to deliver um, and based on the feedback that we were given from from our public. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there things that you as, as the boss, I mean, well, and certainly mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're public elected bosses, but are there things about the district that you kind of, you know, maybe look off into the distance and say, boy, I wish more people knew about X that we do that, that, that maybe doesn't get the attention it deserves? Yeah, and I think, 
a lot of it is just how large Willamaline is. Okay. You know, we serve a population of around 70,000 as per like the latest Census Bureau data. And um, a lot of times people think that Willamaline is just the large building on 32nd Street. It's the, you know, the Bob Kiefer Center. But with all of those 46 parks, I think people would get really, really surprised as, wow, that's Willamaline. That's Willamaline. So that's one thing of how large we are. And the other thing is just our breadth of programming. It'd be so, it would almost be impossible to market and promote 500 different programs that we have. And I like to say that we have something for the entire circle of life from expecting parents all the way to an aging population. We have something for every single person and we take great pride in that. But a lot of times it it is a challenge to get that word out to folks. I think we do a really good job for the people that are plugged in, but I would uh, think that there's some gaps of those people that, you know, maybe they don't regularly visit our programs, but uh, maybe they're not on Facebook or maybe they're not, you know, so we're always looking at, you know, ways to be able to reach and connect with them. But I never take anything for granted that just because you live in Springfield, you know, everything that Willamaline has to offer. I know that there's always opportunities out there. Is there, you know, and, and early on in the conversation, you mentioned like during the wildfires and stuff and obviously ma- managing parks and stuff. Is there, maybe it's that, maybe it's wildfires or, or just, you know, air quality in general, but is there something that, you know, this is the classic question you ask a CEO, what keeps you up at night? But is there some, is there an element of, of what you manage that you think, ah, boy, that's the thing that, 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 that gives me the most worry? <laughs> Well, I haven't slept in months, uh, Michael. Um, I, I think there's there's probably a couple of things. I think all of us are concerned. If you live in this area, you're not concerned a little bit about wildfires and smoke, you know. So, so a- absolutely that. But to me, um, and it's probably like where my values lie is. It's really just the the public safety aspect. Um, you know, uh, I, I I lived in Eugene. I've I've been in in some areas of Eugene that are are um, a challenge, I think, from a public safety standpoint. So I've worked very hard to make sure that this is a priority. Um, You know, we have a long way to go, but we didn't have any assigned uh, public safety staff. So I started our first ever park ranger program. We started out with one full-time ranger. Well, we doubled that. Now we have two (laughs) park rangers, and I want to continue to grow that. But it's not really from a security standpoint. I see them more as like park ambassadors, just to be seen, be present, as, you know, a, a place where people can ask questions and just be responsible and respectful of people out there. But I really want people to, when they go to a Lamaline Park or a trailer in a facility, that they feel like they belong. And I think there has to be a level of comfort and safety. So, you know, that's a challenge that's plaguing, you know, so many cities across the country. You know, it's not just germane to the Springfield, Eugene area. But, but that's one that's, I would say, it's pretty at the top of my list is, creating ways that we can um, make people feel safe and then developing programs in, to, to, to actually uh, improve that. Okay. And, and sort of as we wrap up, I, I would imagine, you know, certainly the comprehensive plan is going to be the blueprint for, for how new programs and expansion. But I guess, you know, almost maybe um, philosophically speaking, as you look out into the next five years, what do you want to see Willamaline both continue to do and maybe some new phases that you get into what would be 
maybe not at your legacy, but at least if nothing else, it's, 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 it's that you're really going to feel proud and really going to feel like your team did what, what you think is most important. Yeah. Uh, I think another big thing, and it's not just a fad for me, but it's our, the efforts that we've done with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, we had no dedicated staff two or three years ago. Um, I presented to my board that, you know, it can't just be a committee. I think you need a dedicated high level position to, to really you know, make sure that we're doing what we, what we want. Cause as I mentioned, my mission, our mission statement before it's, you know, to enrich the lives of everyone we serve. I asked myself the question, do we serve everyone? And the answer is no. Mm. There are pockets of individuals and underserved populations that I know there's language barriers you know, so we don't have the answers. So I'm really proud that we have a diversity, equity, inclusion supervisor position. Um, Dr. Chris Wright, uh, she does a tremendous job. We've already made some really great inroads with connecting with groups and listening to them of how we do. So I think that there's going to be an increase of outreach that Willamette Lane truly is for everyone and not just the people that either know about it and can get to us. We want to remove barriers so everybody can enjoy our parks and recreation. So that's, that's, that's one thing for sure. And also in just improving the health and, and well-being of, of the community members. You know, um, I'm an old health and phys ed you know, major and child obesity and even now adult obesity is one that's plaguing, you know, uh, it's again, it's, it's in Springfield, it's in everywhere. And I think it's incumbent upon us to what can we do with our programs, our policies, the food and drinks that we put in our vending machines. You know, I, I want a healthier community because I want everyone to live longer, happier lives. And just, you know, I would love for that to be my legacy is that, you know, uh, a grandchild of someone says, Hey, my dad started or my mom was in this program and, and, you know, they're, 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 uh, you know, on, on vacation or they've retired somewhere and, you know, will Ameline really got them on a path for a healthier lifestyle. No, laudable goals indeed. <laughs> Michael Largo, thanks so much for coming in. We, this was great. I appreciate it, Michael. And, uh, really, uh, you know, and again, any information that anyone wants, will is where you can find all the information from. Perfect. That was our conversation with Michael Wargo of Willamalane. So much goes into operating this expansive district, and there are exciting plans for the future as well. This has been the Oregon Rainmakers podcast on KLCC. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Thanks for listening.